listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, so last week I said from this platform, I said these words, this is the last week of a series called Grow Up. Um, But what happened was I had about five different people, both at church and then text me later on the week, telling me that like this series has been so impactful and um, I started to pray about it, and we were going to go to another series called Awe of God from a book by John Bevere that really made a huge impact on me. Um, and um, I just didn't feel a release from Grow Up yet. And so um, we're going to stay here for at least another few weeks, if that's all right with you guys. So, amen. I, I don't want to teach messages and preach messages that I think y'all need to hear. I want the Holy Ghost to tell y'all. I want the Holy Spirit to say, hey, this is what y'all need to hear. And so um, that's where we're at. So it's been a good series. So the first week we talked about fathers, young men, and children. And the whole point is that God is wanting to take us from a child stage into a fathering stage. And there's this little skip over point in the middle that's young man stage. And, and remember, it's not about young men versus young women. It's just collectively. What God wants us to do in that young man stage is to overcome the enemy. A lot of times what we do is we will, we will think that we're supposed to live in an enduring mindset when God's called us to overcome. And it's in this stage where we overcome the enemy. That's your, your teenage spirituality years where you're still learning, but you don't have it all together yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> Some of y'all got like, I got teenagers. I know exactly what you're talking about, you know. Um, but the whole point is to get you to the father stage where you're producing. Okay mature things produce, and that's what God wants to get you to. We talked about love, that just because God loves us doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. We, we don't get to just live however we want. We don't get to ignore the consequences of our actions, whether they're godly or not. Love is discipline, and discipline is evidence of our sonship and daughterhood. Remember, if God is disciplining you right now, the first thing you need to do is thank, thank the Lord, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, because that's exactly what discipline's about. We talked about handling conflict. Tony did an incredible job talking about this. <clears throat> that you're supposed to do what Matthew 18 says and actually go to that person and talk to them when you have a problem with them, right? Your first call isn't to your best friend so you can get an ally. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I need some people in my court. I was just calling to see if I was wrong, bruh. You was calling to get a friend on your side is what you was doing. That's exactly what we do. Um, but that we don't take on offenses from other people, that we don't lash out, but we allow the Holy Spirit to do exactly what he says he'll do in Matthew 18, that when you go to that person and you share about what the wrong was and y'all work it out, you've gained a brother or a sister. That's what the whole point is. And then last week, we talked about four immaturities. I said the word offense last week, and some of y'all were like, look, okay, preacher, you need to hush up right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, People get offended. It's the number one killer in church. Heart disease in the United States, it's offense in the church. Um, It's exactly what it is. Talk about understanding the scripture, how important that is. Uh, Talk about the fact that Jesus isn't a genie, and you can't get mad at Jesus because he doesn't give you what you want. Okay, Um, and then about how to orient our lives so that we can be who God's called us to be. So the point in all of this is spiritual maturity. It's for you to grow. And, and, you know, we see this in in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Paul tells us, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Okay, so when it comes to evil, be a baby. I, I joke all the time. I have a friend that... um that is a, um, he works for the state police, and for a long time he was in undercover narcotics. It's really funny because they wouldn't let him do deals because he's just such a nice guy. No drug dealer would believe him. This is really hilarious. But I told him one day, I was like, let me tell you something. Even if I bought drugs from somebody, the first time I ever bought drugs, I buy from a police undercover. That's exactly what would happen to me, okay? 
I am innocent when it comes to drugs. I don't know what you do with any of them, okay? Like, I just don't know. Like, only drugs I know of is, like, Claritin, okay? <laughs> and based on the sound of my voice, I need about three of them right now. You know what I'm talking about? Even, like, Tic Tacs. So, uh, so be immature, though, in evil. Be completely and totally naive when it comes to evil. But when it comes to your thinking, though, you need to be mature. And, you know, maybe next week we'll talk about about our thought processes. But, you know, you rarely just wake up and lunge headlong into iniquity. In fact, after second service, I had a lady come up to tell me that psychologists say from the moment you have a thought to the moment you actually do it is on average two weeks. Some of y'all in y'all's one-week phase right now, thinking about doing something stupid you know you shouldn't do, and this is a sign from heaven to halt that stinking thinking and get mature in your thinking, amen? We often get into trouble not by the things we do, but in the thought process that get us to that moment. Okay? So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I used to have a hard time with the scripture. Because it's like when temptation would come to me, I was waiting for some magic person to appear out of nowhere and tell me, stop doing that. Or stop thinking that. I was waiting for this moment where God was going to show me the open door. And it hit me one day. The Bible says, just leave this verse up here because it's very interesting. It says, no temptation is overtaking you that's not common to man. So that means that you are going to be tempted. That's what it means. But look, God is faithful. Why would you interject that into that moment? Why, why his faithfulness? And here's what the Lord showed me is that as temptation is running right at you, so is faithfulness running right at you. And you may be, may be between a rock and a hard place, but whether you're between a rock and a hard place or not, you always have a choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. Abraham had a choice. Moses had a choice. Mary had a choice. You have a choice. And you can either choose temptation and fall or his faithfulness and overcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Bible's talking about here. Remember, as I said before, you have a choice. It, but, it, but what it does is it means embracing God's obe- embracing obedience even when it's hard to do that. Because as God gives you a choice, it might not be a choice that's very easy. Well, Jesus, I don't want to forgive him. I don't want to do that. So your temptation is to get revenge. So you have vengeance and faithfulness running at you. Which one are you going to choose? It means embracing, embracing obedience, even when it's easier not to. So to effectively embrace obedience, we have to know what God wants us to do. And to know what he wants us to do, we have to read the word. And remember, God's spoken word is always subject to his written word. Okay? The written word will always trump the spoken word. And, and here's why. It's because whenever God speaks to you, number one, we get so excited when that happens, don't we? Like the God that said, let there be light said something to me. You know, like we get pumped. Here's the problem, though, is that our own mentality and thought processes can often twist what God said to where it no longer lines up with the scripture. I'm going to tell you right now, God will never tell you something that does not line up with his word. And so it's very important anytime God speaks to you and tells you to do something, you always go back and find its root in the word of God. Otherwise, that's the devil talking to you. Remember, the devil can appear as an angel of light. Don't you think the devil has a silver tongue? I often wonder what in the world Eve was doing talking to a snake to begin with, y'all. Snakes, y'all. That's a note, bro. You don't talk to snakes. My wife is like, what, what is I want to identify what it is. I want to kill it. My point is that 
when we tell you constantly to read the word, it isn't just so you can tick off your little, I read my Jesus verse for today. It's because you're going to get hit with temptation and you're not going to know what to do. And it's going to be more than you can endure. But if you are willing to be obedient and choose his faithfulness, then not only can you endure, you can actually overcome. I, I, I hate the idea in Christianity that we're just old sinners saved by grace, just trudging through this life. That is not what the Bible says. More than conquerors. I'm an overcomer through the blood of Jesus Christ, the word of my testimony. And that I don't love my life to the point where I'm not willing to lay it down. Obedience. Following through with what he's asked. It's going to require us to know the word. Obedience is key if you're going to succeed in this Christian life. It's essential. Okay? Now, some people see obedience differently. All right? People see it differently. So there's typically two ways. It's either a positive way or, um, or a negative way. So rule followers. I'm talking to you guys for just a moment. Where's my rule followers at? Y'all love a rule? Uh-huh. I see y'all. Y'all love the idea of obedience because what y'all love more than anything is order. Y'all love things to be in order. Y'all don't like chaos. You don't like, like your house needs to be in order. Things need to be in order. And when you follow a rule, there's a higher chance that order is going to come from that. I'm speaking some of y'all's language right now. Me, on the other hand, where my rule breakers at? Come on, praise Jesus, hallelujah. You're about to make me say some, yes, I'm excited about my rule breaking family. Um, deep personalities that love just to go do things. Our personalities that are all about people. We love to push a rule. Oh, you want me to get a permit? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, we don't like that. Here's the problem, though. Is we, we see those as negative because rule breakers are constantly pushing up against the rule and it creates friction and that's why we don't like it. Okay, let me, let me take it to a deeper spiritual level here and say it like this. Some people see obedience as a prerequisite. Some people see obedience as a byproduct. John 14, 15, what does the Bible say? If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Now, when obedience is a prerequisite, you will see this verse as a negative. This verse will say to you, if you want love, obey. Boy, just do what I told you to do. Anybody got dads like that? My dad was like that every now and then, but it was typically after he'd already told me 15 times to do it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Remember, rule breaker. <laughs> But listen to me, when obedience is a byproduct, you'll see this verse as a positive. Why? Because this verse will say to you, if you want to obey, just love. It's all about love. Until you truly experience the love of God, obedience is always going to be a chore to you. You're gonna, it's going to be a drudgery to read the Bible and to follow through with it. It's going to be painful. But when you continually experience the love of God, obedience is a delight for you. I mean, look at all the regulations in the Bible. You tell me I can't wear certain clothes, like certain fabrics against my body? Y'all, they said you couldn't eat pigs. <clears throat> Some of you are like not making the connection. Bacon. <laughs> the only way Revelation could have been better is if the Bible said that it was flowing from the throne pieces of bacon. I'm just kidding. Just a joke. Everybody calm down. But, but there is a reason why all those rules and regulations were up there. It's not because God was just being a jerk. He was like, <laughs> y'all ate that apple. Now watch this. Rule, 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 rule. No. It's because he knows what's best for you. Okay? And, and we, we, are, we have such a hard time submitting to that. And it's because we don't understand his love. It's a problem understanding who he is and his love for us. If we really, really experience his love, obedience would be a breeze. 
But it takes maturity to go from obedience as a chore to obedience as a delight. Here's a part of why. It's because some flesh and some of your ideologies have to die along the way. So what does immature obedience look like? What does immature obedience look like? Okay, a great example is 1 Samuel chapter 15, when God specifically tells Saul to go out to war with the Amalekites and eliminate everything, even down to the sheep, goats, and the donkeys. Saul decides to spare the king, and he and his men keep the best of the livestock, and then Samuel confronts him, and here's what Saul says, verse 50, uh, chapter 15, verse 20 and 21. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back the king of Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. And then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goat, cattle, to, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Samuel responds with a very, very famous verse. I know you heard it. 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering of the, of the fat of rams. So Saul ignored the command of the Lord and chose to disobey. Now, it didn't seem malicious. Okay, because what did, what did Saul say? He's like, look, man, I spared the king because I figured you want to talk to him. <laughs> um, and then we kept the best of the livestock to have a sacrifice. Okay, now most of us don't disobey God out of a genuine desire to front the king of heaven. We don't wake up and go, all right, God, me and you, is war. Like, we don't do that. If you do, like, what are you doing? <clears throat> I mean, he's undefeated, God. Like, here's what we do, though. We disobey because we think we know better. We think we can do it better. Or even worse, we, we try to help God because he really needs our help. God, I, I need to help you because you need me. Right? But, but really, it's, it's just selfishness and vanity, that God's our thoughts and actions. We're not looking for a godly result. Neither was Saul. He was looking for a result that brought him glory. And the Bible proves it. If you go look at verse 12 of that chapter, Saul went to Carmel to set up a monument to himself. So he defeats the Amalekites by the Lord's help. And his big response is, you know, the only thing that can make this better is if I erect a monument to myself. Now, we're laughing, but we do this. God brings increase into your life. And you tell them it was because of your awesome job performance. You see what I'm saying? We have to be very careful of this. But immature obedience isn't obedience at all. Okay? Saul partially obeyed. And do you know what partial obedience is? Disobedience. This might be a moment where you can get set free of some stuff because I know a lot of times we think that what God is asking from us is sacrifice and offerings. He's wanting us to just do this and to do that and constant, constant offering him a sacrifice of praise, giving my tithe, you know, giving my time, giving my talents, giving my efforts. Like give, 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 give. God's not asking for any of that. He's just asking for obedience. Okay, just obedience, okay? God cannot be pleased with unauthorized sacrifices. That's why doing or showing to earn God's love can never satisfy. It doesn't satisfy him. It don't satisfy you. So, Immature obedience will have you doing everything you can to be accepted, only to find that nothing you are doing will be accepted. It's a, it's a vicious circle that Satan loves to see us running around in. But God wants obedience. But it's not for the reason maybe that you think, okay? He wants obedience because if you're obeying him, it means he has you. 
It means he has you. He has your heart. He has your soul. He has your life. He's in a relationship with you. Now, you might be like, okay, prove it, bro. Okay, with, with pride. It's 1 Samuel 15, 20 through 21. We just read this verse. But I want you to catch one little word that changes everything. Okay? Did obey. I carried out the mission. Yada, yada, yada. Go down to then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, plundered sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. Your God. Wait a minute, what? There's the problem. Saul wasn't obeying out of love. He was obeying out of duty. He wasn't in a relationship with God. It was just his job. Duty can never, though, it can never take you as far as love can. Did you know soldiers, soldiers don't jump on grenades and take bullets because of duty. They, they do that because of the love of the person that's to their right and to their left. They do it for the love of country. No soldier ever said, well, I, t- I just took the bullet because that's what I'm supposed to do. It's my job. No. You talk to any soldier, and they'll say, any soldier that's seen action for sure will tell you, the most important thing to me was not getting back home. Where they say, it was the person to my left and the person to my right. It's love, not duty. What has your heart, though, will always command your actions. So what has your heart today? I can prove what has your heart based off what you're doing and how quick you are to obey God. The bottom line is this immaturity in the context of obedience is evidence of a deficiency of the love of God in your own heart. So that's immature obedience. What does mature obedience look like? Well, let me read to you Matthew chapter 26, starting 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. When he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death, remain here and watch with me. I'm going to, uh, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Come on, that's us, y'all. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, Father, this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. You have the disciples, tired, sleepy, fleshly, even disobedient. Jesus says, stay awake. They'd have monsters. But you have Jesus. He's begging for this cup to pass. And by the way, it wasn't because of how bad crucifixion was going to hurt. It was because he was about to become sin. Every sin that you have committed and you will ever commit, and the same for every single person who will ever live, Jesus not just took on himself, but became for you as if he'd done it himself. The the entire hatred that God could muster was focused on his only son in that moment. And he was even saying, if there's any other way, God, I'm begging you, please. But if not, I'll do whatever you ask. That's mature obedience. So here's what I want to do in the time we have left is 
share with you three things quickly that is, is what mature obedience really is. What it might ask of you. And here's the first thing is mature obedience is even unto death. <laughs> wait, wait, what? I, didn't, I wasn't signing up for this. Like die? Like da die? Now, the part of me that wants to comfort you says, no, this is metaphorical. This is spiritual. This is figurative. Um, but but not, not for this guy named Noxing, who is a part of the Garo tribe from India. Um, in the 1880s, I, I have this down here. It's really fascinating. In the 1880s, Welsh missionaries came to his village, and these guys were notorious for headhunting. Like you came over there, they'd kill you. Noxing and his wife had two sons, and they were both convert, converted first to Christianity by these missionaries. The chief was angry at the conversion. He summoned all, summoned all the villagers. Then he called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, Noxing sung his reply, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to shoot down the two sons. As they lay dead, the chief asked, Will you deny your faith? You've lost both your sons and will lose your wife too. But the man replied, again singing, Though none go with me, still I will follow, no turning back. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be shot down. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man sang, The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with these deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was so moved by the faith of the man that in a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, this isn't just the origin of this specific song. I have decided to follow Jesus. This is documented evidence. A guy named Steyer wrote this back in 2014 after he researched I don't know what God's going to ask you to do. I mean, I hope it's not martyrdom. But, but even if it is, how far are you willing to obey? Here's something we have to remember, that no matter how far God asks you to go, here's what you need to remember. Every single breath that you're taking right now is a gift. Okay, and I, I don't mean that in such a way where you like superimpose it over a pretty flower picture and you post it to your social media and everybody goes, oh my gosh, it's so cute. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I mean Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I'm not breathing air right now that belongs to me. I'm not using my mouth that belongs to me. I was crucified with Christ. I'm dead. He's who lives inside of me. This is one of the reasons why I think it hurts God so much when we sin is because we're bringing death to the life that he's gotten inside of us. And so it makes me think, am I doing everything possible, everything I can to make sure that I'm seeing the kingdom move forward? You know why? Because I'm on a cross somewhere, man. That's all died. I think sometimes we, we get this idea that Jesus lives inside of us and we're still alive, but he just kind of like, like has an apartment in our heart. No, I'm dead. Every breath that I take is a gift from him. The, the actions of my hands, they're gifts from him. 
The ability to speak to you today is just a gift from God. And at any moment, he could call me home and it'd be all over with. Am I living my life in such a way where I'm honoring the fact that he's alive in me? Your life is not your own. That's that's the truth. We all have to realize that any life we have is just because of him. Now, some of y'all might be thinking, well, that sounds like a bad deal. It's the best deal. It's the best deal. It's the best. The only time it's the worst. I know some of y'all, Nacho Libre on me right there. It's the best. (coughs) But here's the truth of the matter, guys, is, is he's alive inside of me. And if I would just obey him, the best life that could be imagined for me can be realized. I find it interesting that this verse doesn't say, I have been gently euthanized with Christ. But crucified. It was the worst punishment. They literally created crucifixion because it it, it created the most pain for the person who was dying. I want you to know something. Sometimes... You have to take your flesh kicking and screaming to the cross. Sometimes obedience is easy, but sometimes it ain't, man. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's just being a conduit. God's blessed you, and out of the abundance of his blessing you, you bless other people. Sometimes it's just that easy. I mean, my goodness, if I gave you $100 right now and asked you to give it to somebody else, you wouldn't have a hard time doing it because it wasn't yours to begin with. It ain't yours to begin with. We can think about that with money, but why don't you think about that with the very air that you have inside of you? It ain't yours to begin with. It belongs to him. The only reason I'm able to talk to you right now is because of him. Sometimes God asks you to cut off the part of you that's dragging you to hell, and it isn't as easy to do as it is to say. The Bible says it's better for you to go into heaven with missing an arm or an eyeball than a burn in hell. Sometimes you have to brutally crucify your flesh so that you can live. And the entire time that war is raging in you, that disobedience and rebellion is enticing your flesh, but, but love is calling out to your spirit. And, and the spirit isn't saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. Dad, come out and tell you don't love me because you ain't obeying me a lick. The spirit is not saying that. You know what the spirit is saying? is like, you know what? If you will allow me to pour my love into the very spot that you're wanting to not give me, I promise you that obedience even for that part of you won't be difficult if you'll just let me love you. So many times we're experiencing death in an area of our lives simply because we've not allowed the love of God to reach that part yet. So here's a question. What, what needs to die in you right now so that you can effectively obey God? Do you know what? I got a better question for you. I got a better question. Here's a better question. What in, need, what in you needs to experience the love of God so that you can effectively obey God? Here's why I ask that. Because, you know, sometimes, especially in Liberty County, there's a poverty mentality that I'll never have enough. Let me tell you something right now. You will never have enough money to fill that void. So what you need to do is you need to allow the Holy Spirit to pour love into that space in you where you realize he loves you too much to let you go begging for bread. He is your source, not your boss, not food stamps, not the next handout down at the Church of Christ on Tuesdays. He is your source. And until he becomes your source, you're never going to be able to obey him when he says give and do. Money ain't going to fix the problem. His love is what fixed the problem. What about forgiveness? Revenge won't fix it. 
You could kill them a hundred times over and it won't fix it. It's this movie called Law Abiding Citizen where a guy's family gets killed and he kills the guy and it's pretty brutal. Still didn't bring peace to him. I know it's not easy. It's advanced Christianity. But, but listen guys, we got to grow up in our faith. God's asking us sometimes to do hard things but it starts with a simple thing and the simple thing is just being obedient. Mature obedience is even under death. Here's the second one. Mature obedience is obedience even when you don't understand. Obedience is easier when you understand why. You know that? Like, don't stick a butter knife in a light socket. We know that, right? You know the only people who don't know that? Kids. But we will stick our spiritual butter knife in a spiritual light socket and act like nothing's going to happen to us. What are you doing? It's evidence of spiritual maturity. Yeah, yeah but they said something. And I, you know, I'm not going to let them just get away with it. All right, get shocked. Tell me what it feels like. Why is obedience when you don't know why so hard? Well, there's, part of it is the no control part, like you want to have control. Where are my control freaks at? Don't raise your hand. Don't know. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, maybe. But here's the other part, and this is really the more spiritual side of it, is it requires faith. Hebrews 11 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we see this so many times evidence in Abraham's life. Genesis 12.1 Get out of your country, away from your relatives, and from your father's house, and go to a land I will show you. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. Um, Genesis 17.16 You're going to have a son. They were old, and his wife was barren. Genesis 22 and 2 Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. I think it's really funny that God says, take your son, and he goes, um, your only son, huh, okay, the son you love, do you know what, guys, what do y'all think? We should probably be real specific, huh? Isaac. Some of y'all need God to talk to you that clear right now. Because y'all talking about, well, which, which son are we talking about? You know, like... I want you to put what I promised you on the altar. Until you've had to walk that, you don't know how hard that is. But it's really simple if you know how much he loves you. The God that provided once will provide again if that's what he asks. I think Abraham knew that because he said, me and the boy will go sacrifice and we will return. Why was Abraham so willing to put his son on the altar? Here's why. It's because he knew the same God that provided an impossible thing could resurrect the impossible thing should he give it on the altar. Some of you are so scared to put the promise on the altar because you don't believe that he'll bring it back if that's what he wants. What are you willing to, like how far are you willing to go? To obey him. How far? We like to think we would have the faith and courage to lay down anything God asks us to at the altar as a sacrifice. But y'all, most of us will still be at our dad's house arguing about which direction to go. Much less having a son in the first place. Well, we could go east, but you know, east. <laughs> God has a habit of asking you to do things that require faith. 
things that force you to lean on Him. You know, you've heard it say that God won't put anything on you that you can't handle. That's a lie, okay? God often puts stuff on you that you can't handle. I think He likes doing it because it makes you realize how much you need Him. That's the truth of the answer, okay? Most everything worth doing in your life will require more of you than you have to give. And it isn't because God's mean, okay? It's not. It's because He wants you to realize how badly... You need him. Now, you might think, well, wait a minute, God, that's super narcissistic of you to want me to recognize how much I need you. And I might be inclined to agree with you if it wasn't for the fact that like 13 days after God put us in the Garden of Eden, we were already biting apples that we shouldn't have been eating. We are really bad at self-sustenance. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Like we're all really, really bad at it. If, if, somebody, if somebody hit the lotto right now on $4 million, y'all already have half of it spent before you got out the door. I needed that bourbon. <laughs> okay, whatever, man. <laughs> Did you need the Lambo too? Like, what is going on, man? Suburban, awesome, great, practical. Lamborghini? <coughs> God didn't create you to need him because he needed to be needed. He created you to need him because he knew that total satisfaction in your life would require him. Aren't you glad that you're loved by God who loves you so much that he realized that you would need him to experience the height of satisfaction? So when God asks us to do something and we don't understand, our response really should be an emphatic, yes, Lord. That isn't out of blind obedience. Remember, it's love, then obedience. It's out of our love for him. But we should be willing to do whatever he asks because there's never been a moment in our lives where he's wanted anything other than our best. And a God who treats us like that is worth trusting. But yes, you have to deal with the doubt. You have to deal with the fear. You have to deal with those moments where you, you expected God to do something and he just didn't do it. What do you do with those things? I don't know, but the longer I live, the more I realize that I want to be in a situation constantly where I need him. I never want to be in a moment where I think I got this on my own because that's when things blow up in my life. You're going to often be in a place where what is asked of you is more than you have. It's going to ask you to step out on faith. You're often going to be at a place where he asks you to do something you don't understand, but you're not alone, okay? Pick anybody in the Bible, anybody. And it's the same situation. In fact, I made a handy-dandy little list for us, all right? Moses was asked to defy the most powerful human being on earth and then lead millions of people who love griping through a desert to an occupied land. By the way, occupied with giants. There's big grapes, but the people are huge too. Like that's where, that's where Moses was going. David was asked to face a giant. Esther was asked to deny the number two guy in the kingdom to save her people. Nehemiah was asked to build a ruined wall under constant intimidation and threat. <laughs> Mary was asked to carry the savior of the world. Some of y'all won't let your kids near a pool right now because you're afraid they're going to die. Much less like Jesus, like... Hey, we're going to go swim into the sea. No, you're not. Like, can you imagine how many floaties she had on him in that pool? I did see that TikTok where Jesus tried to jump in the pool and he landed hard. That's funny. Peter was asked to pick up his cross. Who's laughing now? Paul was asked to change everything he understood about what he was taught. And let's even go further than the Bible. Martin Luther was asked to recalibrate the entire church. Billy Graham was asked to preach the gospel no matter what. Mother Teresa was asked to go to a leper colony in India and live there for the rest of her life. 
What's he asked you to do? What is it? What's he asked you to do that you don't understand? And your flesh is fighting right now. Oh, God, we couldn't do that. That that put us in a bind. You know, the disciples were faced with obedience, even though they didn't understand. Um, Jesus was coughing out some pretty crazy teaching um, at one point where he said, hey, if you want to be a part of me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's pretty wild. Um, Dustin, one of our board of directors, texted me this week and said, hey, isn't it interesting that at some point Jesus just stopped everything and said, oh, hey, guys, guess what? My dad's God. Like, can you imagine I was having a lead team meeting and I said, hey, I love y'all. Um, thank you so much for being here. By the way, I want you to know my dad is God. That's what happened. Uh, but incidentally, in John 666, that's funny, John 666, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. But then the next verse, Jesus asked, then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. If God asks you to do something, what's the worst that could happen? You know, psychologists use this as a way for you to silence your fear. They ask you to, to think out the logical conclusions of this worst possible scenario, and that's supposed to fix it. But you know what? God has a better way. The Bible tells us how to do it in 1 John 4.18. <clears throat> there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So here's the question. Would God ask me to do something and then not give me the means to accomplish it? I said it a minute ago when we were baptizing Juan. I made the comment where I said that God will ask you to go do something and by the time you get there, he will have provision waiting on you. But can I tell you something just from experience, from planting this church? It's not always packed up in a little gold box with a pretty red bow on top of it. Sometimes he wants you to get there and he wants you to wait before he tells you where it is. It's evidence of how much I need him. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Would a God who loves me do that? Would a God who loves me ask me to do something and then not give me the means to accomplish it? Well, what's the Bible say? Well, Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.8, And God will make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. By the way, don't expect all sufficiency to come in non-good works. So if you're doing something you know you're not supposed to be doing, don't expect God's blessing on it, okay? Like, let me lovingly tell you, grow up. Think God's going to make you a, a PB&J sandwich because you disobeyed? Psalm 37, 25. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for bread. We say this verse a lot and we love it. But read the next part. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. This is what obedience looks like. And it's this last verse that leads to the point I want to land on today. Mature mature obedience is always pregnant. It's always pregnant. And when the Lord first said this to me, I was like, what? Like, I can't be up here talking about pregnant. We know pregnant means the process of a child developing within the womb, but there are other meanings too. It means something that's full of meaning, something that's highly significant, something of infinite potential. The word actually comes from two other words that mean before something is brought into being. Obedience is always pregnant because obedience has the power to unlock the blessing of God in our lives. If you will. 
if you will, is, is a phrase that appears around 1,784 times in the Bible. It's a conditional clause that signifies an event will occur should the conditions of the clause be met. Deuteronomy 28 expresses this perfectly. How shall it come to pass? Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I commanded you today that the Lord your God will bless you. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed in the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Well, Jesus, I don't got no flocks. Okay, blessed shall be your basket and blessed shall be your kneading bowl. I don't know how to knead. Okay, good. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. This is what happens when you're obedient. Oh, you just want me to do what, do what you told me to do and you'll bless me. Yes! Your obedience is full of purpose and potential and promise. But if obedience is pregnant with promise, then that means your disobedience is pregnant with pain. Ask Abraham. Abraham was promised a son, and all God asked him to do was to patiently wait for its fulfillment. But we know the story. He took Hagar, his, his wife's servant, and Ishmael was produced. And even Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 4, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. Paul goes on to say how this was representative of a covenant that brought about spiritual slavery to the flesh. And this is precisely what disobedience does in our lives. Slaves to our flesh, slaves to sin. Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessing of obedience, but also the results of disobedience. Verse 20 says, The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all, a rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doing which you have forsaken me. Good night of living. But listen to me, that last part, this is the real issue. You have forsaken me. You have abandoned me. And because you've walked away, you are no longer near that which brings blessing to you. How do I get God to bless me? Get close to him. Obey him. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Let me give you the, uh, the Jason paraphrase. If you're all in, and if you're close enough to me to do my will simply out of your love for me, then you'll never have a lack of the best that I have to give you. Thank you, God. Psalm 84, 11, one of my favorite verses. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Listen, God wants you to give birth to that, that which obedience conceived. And because of that, I don't have to obey. I get to obey. Because when I obey, I not only get God's pleasure, I get to birth that which he promised to me. Some of y'all right now are mad because you're barren, and God's just saying, obey and watch the fruit that comes from your life. Be obedient. In fact, I'm willing to say even this, that some of you have lived your lives this long and not really seeing the fruit that you thought was going to come from your life. But you're going to make a decision today by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're going to be obedient no matter what it takes. And you're going to find in the next three months you begin producing in a way that you never dreamed was possible. You do have to know the difference between God's love and His pleasure. You always have God's love. Nothing can separate you from that. But His pleasure is different. And you even know this naturally with your children. <laughs> if your children slaps your, her little brother across the face, this, she's not in your pleasure. Now, you love her, but not in your pleasure, right? 
Um, but, but what if your kid um, cleans their room, puts away all their dishes after they eat, and then comes and gives you a big hug? <laughs> Pass out, that's good. All right, we've got some work to do there. That's all right, uh, we know where we are. But aren't they in your pleasure in that moment? It's amazing how your kid's obedience opens up your pleasure. And don't you look at them and go, anything you ask up to half my kingdom. <laughs> Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. That word pleasure here, it means complete satisfaction born out of his will being worked out through faith. That sounds like obedience to me. I want to obey him. I want to obey him because I love him. I want to obey him. I want to obey him because I want to live in his pleasure. I want to obey him because I want my obedience to be mature. So here's the simple truth. If you want to obey, you have to trust him. If you want to obey, you have to exercise your faith. If you want to obey, you have to deepen your love for him. And all three things are accomplished by your interaction with God and his people. Believe it or not, you need more than God. He made you to need people. You are going to need other people in your life. That's one of the reasons why so many families here are so successful in their growth and their spiritual maturity is because they realize how much they need each other. And I'm, if men's group is on Tuesday, come hell or high water, I'm going to be there. Why? Because I need y'all. The moral of today isn't hard to comprehend, and you don't need practical step-by-steps. You just need to do what he told you to do, okay? So, what needs to be done in your life today to help you more effectively obey him tomorrow? Would you close your eyes for a moment? The only reason I ask you to do this is just so you can focus on him and not anybody to the right or to the left. This is about you and Jesus right now. What is he asking you to do? Now, some of you might know instantly, like I already know what he wants me to do. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's forgive. You know, maybe it's, I, I know I found in my own life with things like a poverty mentality, if God asked me to give and I feel myself pushing back, I make myself give because number one, I know the devil's the one pushing back on me. God, the devil ain't gonna ask me to give, okay? But I want to squash lack and poverty with generosity because it's, it's a privilege to, to be generous. It's a privilege. So whatever God's asking you to do right now, do that. If it's forgive that person, forgive them. If it's, you realize in this moment, I have not hugged my kids in three weeks. Do what you need to do. I do it. Some of you, it may be that you need to step into a relationship with Jesus to begin with. And I'm going to tell you right now, God doesn't make it hard for you to have a relationship with him. You don't have to jump, you don't even have to come to the altar. Just right now where you are, you don't even have to yell it across the room. Just let the air come out of your mouth. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior in this moment. I confess you are Lord. Save me. If you mean it, God means it. You're saved. I don't have to see your hand. I don't have to put your name on a little tally to make sure how many people we got saved. I just want you in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you need to stop playing games with Jesus. You've been flirting with him. You need to get married to him. Do what he told you to do. Some of you know exactly what God's asked you to do. Some of you are asking God to tell you what to do. Um, but you know what? 
Some of you, God's already told you what to do, and he's just waiting on you to do it. So whatever it is, be obedient. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your love, God. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. Come on, church, just thank him right now for the fact that you've got air in your lungs and that he's using you to make an impact. You may not be able to see it right now in this moment, but God is using you to make an impact in your world. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. So right now, God, we just, we just confess right now in this moment, we, whatever you want, God, we obey. Whatever you ask, God, it ain't my life even to begin with. You're alive in me. I will do whatever you ask me to do. God, I pray that you would give me wisdom to know your voice. God, I pray that you would help me have the courage to reach out to people who know me and know God and love me and love God and have my best interests in mind to ascertain whether or not this is you speaking. Help me find Bible verses that buttress what you've told me to do. God, we commit right now in this moment, whatever you ask, we'll do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.